The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday to you. At least we're trying to make the most of the Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) With news that... Other conferences are going forward. They're plowing ahead. They have protocols in place. And you know what? The Big 12, if you saw what they released, their protocols for testing and checking, it's pretty specific, um, pretty detailed. And, uh, you know, we're still trying to grapple with the Mountain West decision from earlier this week to not play sports this fall. Uh, so... The reactions to that, why the Big 12 feels they can still move forward. Uh, We've got a lot of reactions from Gary Anderson today. He met with the media, had a little press conference. Uh, He didn't have any prepared statements. He's just, ask me questions, guys. So we covered a lot of different topics. We'll share some of his comments both this hour and next hour. Uh, Wanted to give you the chance to hear as much of what he had to say how he got the news, how involved he was, how the players reacted to it, how it affects recruiting. Uh, there's it's a whole wide variety of issues uh, that we'll get into, and we'll hear from Gary Anderson. Uh, and as you hear from him, uh, feel free to, to share with us your reactions. Uh, text in 435-339-0321. Again, that's 435-339-0321. If you want to participate in the show, uh, once again, AJ Salveson hanging out in Las Vegas. AJ Knight, so kind to uh, join me here in the studio. Always happy to. Um, AJ, this the news today from the Big Twelve. That's probably one of the bigger news items of the day. Uh, we, the ACC, their medical experts saying we feel confident we can handle this moving forward, and the Big Twelve basically saying the same thing. In fact, giving additional detail about what they will do in their testing and their follow-ups, even if somebody does test positive, like EKGs and a lot of other things. I mean, (laughs) you would think, that's the thing, again, I I heard on uh, some of the programs earlier on the station, they talked about, again, that athletes are aware, and that's why you've seen so much uh, Twitter specifically outrageous. They're aware of the... um, treatment that they receive as division one athletes. And so I think that's part of the reason they've made the claim to um, want to play. They know what they know that they'll be safer, I think in the program. And I think the big 12's decision is interesting from the standpoint too. I know Clay Travis pointed this out on Twitter that Iowa state is in the big 12. They're going to play football. Iowa is in the big 10. They're not going to play football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're the same state. Yeah. Not really that far away from each other. No. For one, it's okay, and the other, it's not. It's so confusing. It's just bizarro land. Yeah. It makes no sense. And that's what's so frustrating about this. Bob Bowlesby today saying, we were led by our medical professionals to make this decision. Uh, He says, for the most part, I have better information, and my presidents have better information than most of our friends in the fourth estate, referring to the media. Reasonable people can disagree on it. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten are seeing much of the same information that we're seeing, but our board believes in our scientists and has come to a conclusion that is different. And so have the leadership of the SEC and the ACC. 
So not only are you saying our medical professionals are better than yours, we believe in our medical professionals and you don't. <laughs> well, let's, I think- just, let's just throw the other conferences under the bus <laughs> while we're at it. Well, there was, uh, I think there's somebody quoted the, uh, I think it was the Pac-12, I want to say it was the medical expert for the Pac-12 said that we need to all follow the same guidance. And that's really, I mean, okay, you, according to the Big 12 medical expert, you all have the same information and three conferences have made the decision it's safe and two conferences haven't. So what's the hang up? I choose to believe personally, I don't think that the, I know that they're the Southern I mean, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 are kind of the Southern conferences. I do not think that they are risking the kids' lives for the sake of having a football season. I actually think that the Pac-12 and the Big 10 made the decisions that they are terrified that they could potentially be sued, and they just said, this is better. This is a better way to deal with it. Well, And that's what's weird, because the Pac-12, in, when they were revealing their protocols— we're going to test regularly, almost every day, or at least every other day. And right. We'll have to do, we will do tests uh, right before, or 24 hours before a game, and we will ask our opponents to do the same. And so it was pretty rigorous testing that the Pac-12 was planning to do. In the SEC, it's like um, maybe a couple times a week, three days, or what was it, 36 hours before a game. It may way more relaxed. It's like half as much testing was going to go on in the SEC. Yet their medical experts say it's okay, that's all right. I, I think it's like yeah. you would think it would be completely opposite. Yeah, if the conference is going to be more rigorous testing and trying to follow this and be better about understanding spread and isolation before it gets bad. That would be the conference saying we're taking the necessary precautions to still play the game. Yeah, and it's, I, it's the old whole other way around. I, I yeah, I. I uh... Again, I go back to the Big Ten point is if it's really about safety, then why why is it football can't be played but kids can be let on campus? And Because the vast majority of the Big Ten conference is supposed to have in-person classes, so I, for the life of me, do not understand what the difference is if it's truly about player safety. <laughs> is it about this, the student safety? Let's remember they're student athletes. So if it's okay for other students to be in classrooms and to pass each other on a crowded sidewalk, is it really that much different than a contact sport? I don't think so because we talked about this at length yesterday, and I think personally I'm not in college. I don't know that in this situation, like if I if I, this was going on when I was in college, maybe big gatherings like restaurants and bars like that, Probably not going to spend as much time out there, but gatherings with friends, not going to really have a second thought about it. And so, I I just I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy in that decision to let students on, but not let athletes play. And I know that there's it's a little bit trickier between the pro athletes signing on because we talked a lot about the players' union yesterday and a college athlete who has less of those representatives. But I mean. We saw players in the the Big Ten specifically opt out before the season was canceled. So if the players are uncomfortable, there was an option there. Uh, I I don't know I, not I don't know the uh, legality part of it. If a player had something severe happen because they played, but I would think that there's I don't know even if they don't sign a waiver, if they choose to opt into the season, they know what they're opting into as long as the like you said all the procedures and all the the stuff is there to test in that. They have. They can make that choice. They are adults. 
Yeah. If you can drive a car, if you can go to war, if you can vote, I mean, you should be uh, able to make a pretty educated decision about what you're going to do. I would I would think so. <laughs> I mean, and again, I think the facilities that athletes, especially Division One athletes, have access to is better than – I think they'll be safer in the program than out of the program, even playing football. I think they'll be way safer in the program than they would just being a normal student who has to kind of tread water at, on their own. Uh, we do have some comments from uh, Bob Bowlesby, actually, from the, the commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. Um, and uh, he said a lot of different things. We're not going to get through all of it. But uh, one thing that he does, does talk about is about being on the same page as the ACC and the SEC. So right, we've got three power conferences that are pretty much consistent with each other and how they plan to go forward. You know, I, I don't know that, that uh, we would uh, want to be the only college uh, football conference playing um, to the questions about the postseason. That, that pretty much... Uh, eliminates the postseason and um, you know uh, John Swafford and Greg Sankey and I spend a lot of time together and we we spend a lot of time comparing notes and and I I think it's uh, unlikely that uh, we would we would uh, diverge without um, some fairly significant conversations in advance of it I don't know who asked the question, but there was some heavy breathing going on. They were they're vested in the answer. <laughs> yes. So basically, bottom line, you know, they're they're lockstep with the ACC and the SEC. I you know I heard an interesting argument today that the difference between kind of the the conferences that have decided to go through it and the conferences that didn't is that I think the the ACC, SEC, and Big Twelve are honest with themselves that at some point one of the teams, par several of the teams, they're going to have positive tests. And they're not terrified of that because they think they, as they, we started with the comments from the Big 12 commissioner, they trust their scientists and medical experts to deal with that accordingly and make the right decisions. And I wonder if that's just part of it. I wonder if it's just terror over potentially, you know, you know Purdue's my alma mater and it's in the Big 10 hearing up. Oh, Purdue has a spike of coronavirus and that headline. I wonder if there's just terror of having that headline. And that may be just, I think that may just. Uh, snowballed into this whole decision. That's it's a fair point. You, you don't want that. Uh, you don't want to be that school, right? You don't want to be that program that has has an outbreak, right? And then, well, well, as a potential recruit, do I want to go there? Do they not really keep things under wraps there? Uh, are they putting players at risk? Are they putting students at risk? <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean, I think that's a big part of it. But I mean, what is? I mean, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, on and off air, and then again today. I mean, what is? And I'm curious to see what Coach Gary Anderson says about it. Like, what does this mean for the long term ramifications of not just football, but just your athletics department as a whole, choosing to just shut down your big money earners? Yeah, he did talk a little bit about that in a roundabout way, um, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit uh, about. Just, he talks about he calls them super seniors. If you, if you give these players another year of eligibility it's not just them that's affected it's everybody that was on your roster yeah because now do you give everybody else an extra year of eligibility so are you going to have an extra group of seniors an extra group of juniors sophomores and freshmen your roster can't handle that yeah. and this and I you, think, it's going to affect you four years down the yeah, road yeah well i think and we talked about that yesterday too is really how many of these tough questions has there been an answer to 
Because basically, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, the seniors are on a team. Do you just, sorry, hope you enjoyed your junior year. Well, it, it, Gary kind of advocates that we should be essentially treating these seniors and around, he doesn't expressly say it, but basically reading between the lines of what he says, he's basically saying treat them like grad transfers. Oh. If you don't have a spot for them, allow them to go find a, a spot somewhere else. Yeah. And so that's kind of an extra year of eligibility, but without really having an extra year of eligibility. But allow them to move around. Don't don't say that they have to stay there for their extra year. Because injuries good happen. Some yeah. schools are looking for spots. They're yeah, looking for experienced players. So in a roundabout way, maybe there's some way to still allow those seniors to still get opportunity. But one of the thing I want to get to one more thing from Bob's Bowles, uh, Bob Bolsby, the uh, commissioner of the Big Twelve, is that uh, he says that the, there are conferences, different conferences that are in different positions, and he kind of explains what his thoughts on that. We've spent a lot of time with the other conference commissioners, and and I I think there was some presumption that what that meant was that we were all going to be in lockstep. Um, in the end, I think we all have to do what is best for our individual conferences. And, and we're not all similarly situated. Uh, we're, uh, we have, uh, in the, you know, in the case of the PAC 12, uh, they've got a, a, a really tough situation in Southern California and two of their flagship schools there. And, and San Francisco has been a, a hotspot off and on. So, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I think uh, each league has to make its own decisions. Well, I, I understand that sentiment, and to a degree, I, I agree with that. But it also illustrates just the lack of leadership at the top and the dysfunction of the NCAA when it comes to managing college football. Uh, no, I, I would agree with him, but the, the counterpoint to me would be, okay, you're the commissioner of the Big 12. Texas hasn't been great. The SEC no. has Florida. Florida hasn't been That's great. That's true. So how are they mitigating those when – I mean, ACC has Florida State, so they're in Florida too – I mean, so they're. I mean, those three conferences have a have a state that they're part of that is obviously had its issues. Um, honestly, the Big Ten. What so Rutgers is in? I think Rutgers is in New York State, but they've stabilized. I mean, the Big Ten may be the one that's in the best position because I don't know that any of those states really have had the trouble necessarily that the Floridas, the Texas, and the Californias have had. But, I mean, each one of them has, so I think it does validate your point about leadership. In Texas, they have had just about 50,000 cases in the last seven days. They have over half a million total cases. Texas is among one of the worst. Florida, in the last seven days, they've had 45,000 cases. So they're on about par, on the same, same pace. California has had fifty about 55,000 cases in the last seven days. See, yeah, Utah has had under 3,000 in the last seven yeah, days. That's what I'm saying. Because that's the thing, again, is that all those, so California, Texas, Florida, all on pace with each other. And so he said, your two flagship schools are in California. Half the Big 12 is in <laughs> Texas. <laughs> what about your own bread and butter? Yeah. What about your own backyard? About 65,000 cases in Oklahoma in the last seven days. That's one of your flagships <laughs> in the Big 12. <laughs> doesn't make sense i just i don't get it i don't get it and then in regardless too i think if you agree with the mass policy or not i think we can all agree that the pac-12's decision to cancel everything up to the new year 
That is super jumping the gun, in my opinion. I think yes. you're, you're because I think if I think that looks really bad. So say that uh, because really, I, I think a lot of sports like the NFL. I think was watching the bubbles for basketball, hockey, and baseball to see how it went. And and baseball's had some issues. They've kind of cracked down recently, but hockey and basketball have like hockey hasn't had a positive test and basketball seems to have handled it really well. Yep. So I think that gives the NFL hope that they could figure it out. But if like college football goes mostly without a hiccup and the Pac twelve, and I guess they can reverse their decision, but it's gonna make the Pac twelve and uh the Big Ten look really bad. Well, you know what uh Colin Coward earlier today said there are four conferences who have canceled, right? Mac, Mountain West, Big Ten, Pac-12. So four conferences have uh, postponed fall sports. The other conferences will too. They just don't know it yet. Interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a matter of time is what he's postulating. And maybe he's not wrong. You know, Maybe things uh, don't get any better. And uh, there are outbreaks at some of these schools when they start to have – everybody on campus, but they've had these athletes on campus since early July, like June. Yeah. And they've been testing them and they've been keeping them isolated. If there were any cases or managing it and doing better. So they're proving they have the data for at least the last six weeks. We have our kids on campus. We're doing workouts and we're doing okay. And that's what, that's what confused. I focus on the big 10 just because it's the one that I watched the most, but the Big Ten wasn't doing any non-conferences, so they should be almost in the best situation to deal with it because they're only playing conference opponents so they can communicate with each other. Okay, do so we have to move this team here, schedule a bye week? You know what I mean? So it would seem like that would be the best way to do it because, what is it, the ACC's doing only conference and then one non-conference, but it has to be in your state. Right. And then I, what is the, what are the Big 12 and – SEC doing. I don't uh, remember Big what their Twelve are. is doing, uh, giving you a non-conference opponent plus one. They're doing a conference plus one. Conference plus one. Uh, SEC is conference only. Conference only. So you see again, the SEC, and that may be the reason they're lax in testing because they don't have to worry about tracking down for like a non-conference. Not to say that they wouldn't be honest about it, but all the data I would think would be shared between the conferences, schools at least. Here's where we're at. All right. Here's where we're at. Et cetera. Et cetera. But yeah, that's a great point about the fact they've had them on campus for so long. It should demonstrate at least a little bit that where they're at in terms of controlling the situation. Well, here's some comments actually from Gary Anderson about this specifically. And so he actually agrees with the Mountain West in their decision. As difficult as it was, uh, Gary Anderson, again, head coach of the Utah State football, had a, co- a press conference earlier today and said that basically what's, what's really challenging about this is the contact tracing that's really hard to do when you have so many kids and coaches that you're trying to manage and they're using multiple facilities, weight rooms, locker rooms, and uh, well, they're trying to limit use of the locker room, but they're all using weight rooms. So if you don't have a big open facility, it can be a little bit challenging. So one of the things that Gary said that it's, it's challenging for USU at least was the contact tracing. It's not really the cases on the team. It's just the tracking, right? And it gets very, very difficult as you go through to uh, – track the young men that are involved and the amount of days that they lose, um, you know, that's where that's where it gets difficult. It's not the true, oh, we had, you know, a bunch of kids that had it. It's the tracking that uh, is, is, in my opinion, is, is the very hard part to make it so a, a football team can functionally put a, 
a quality product out there on the field. At least, again, and this is just us. This is our our case situation. But uh, you know, we were we were in a good spot, and the trainers did their job. Um, but you know, at times it becomes difficult just because of the number that can be involved in tracing. Yeah, that's tough. And if look, it's expensive to do the testing. It's expensive and time consuming to do the tracing. You already lost your guarantee money game. There's serious doubt right. about fans who are going to be in the stands or not. Uh, you're opportunity for sponsorships and advertising at games is taking a nosedive. I mean, so these, these athletic departments are in serious financial trouble and like throughout the mountain West, they don't have the deep pockets and reserves like these other schools do. I think I can understand more so smaller conferences decision because like, obviously the funding is, is way different for athletics in the power five. And this may be, we talked about yesterday when we had Ethan in here, the, potential ramifications that this season could have going forward for the NCAA. Speaking specifically just about football, this may be one of the final uh, nails in the coffin for finally splitting the Power Five away from everyone else. Yeah, it's possible. There's, you know, it's that disruption that happens, and here's the opportunity to make a move. But what may hinder that a little bit is the fact that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 weren't along with the other three. Yeah. If if all five were going to continue going, but all the other small schools or other smaller conferences opted to stop, then you do have this pretty clear division, even more so than what's already been established. Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm terrified for the future of of uh, just college athletics in general because if the like we talked about Stanford yesterday, but if you have these the Power Five schools that are having to shut down Olympic sports. I mean, are are just whole athletic departments going to get axed from smaller schools just because they can't afford to miss one season of football revenue? I mean, you talked about the money game with yeah. with Utah State. I mean, where does that leave their budget? Where would that leave their budget before and now? Not even a football season. Yeah, Utah State was in an okay position through this summer because most of the year was already in. Basketball money was in. They didn't miss out on the NCAA money yeah. from the tournament. That's, a, that's an important factor, too. But they were doing okay. But now we get into the fall, and now where there's not going to be football, that's going to affect your gymnastics budget, your softball budget, <laughs> your women's soccer budget. It's going to affect all of them. Yeah. And if they don't play in the spring, you don't have an, a mechanism to try to recoup that. A, a full... what? 18 months of lost opportunities for yeah. revenue? Yeah. Ouch. Big time. Big time. I mean, people, I, I feel bad, but people are going to have to lose their jobs. You'll have to cut back some sports. You have to make some pretty drastic moves. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I didn't even think of the missing the NCAA tournament is a good point, too, because that if that had been played out, I mean, at least for schools like Utah State, probably would have been a big – at least giving you something to kind of soften the blow a little bit, but it's starting there was just that's a huge. I mean, they got to at least they got to play their conference tournament, but whew, yeah, you're not wrong. I didn't even think about that. All right, so we'll get more from Gary Anderson his comments today about how he broke the news, what his team's reaction was, how do they move forward? They do have plans uh, to keep the players involved and engaged, even though there isn't a fall football season. So we'll hear from him, more from Gary Anderson throughout the next hour and a half. Uh, Love to get your reactions as well, 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in. 
Uh, also, a little bit later on, the Utah Jazz play the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow. That game will be going on right in the middle of our show. So we'll spend a little bit of time today talking about the Jazz. And uh, as they will be wrapping things up, what are the best matchups for Utah in the playoffs? Uh, they're still really not settled where they will be, what seed they will have. They could be fifth. They could be sixth. Uh, there was a chance they could drop all the way to seventh, but because of uh, Dallas' loss last night, the Jazz are guaranteed no lower than six. So what are the options for the Jazz? Who would they face? What are the better options for Utah? We'll discuss that as well coming up on the Full Court Press. You're on vacation and your vehicle breaks down. Nothing can be worse. What can you do? This may have been avoided if you went to A1 Automotive for a pre-trip checkup. A1 Automotive will give your car the once-over so you can prevent a disaster. And they offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty and roadside assistance. Online at A1AutomotivePerformance.com. A1 Automotive is so busy, they need experienced automotive techs. If you're looking for a change of scenery, give them a call or drop off your resume at the shop on 10th West. Elements Restaurant invites you to now enjoy indoor dining and outdoor on the beautiful Riverside patio. Walk-ins are welcome. However, reservations are encouraged and can easily be done at the elementsrestaurant.com or the Resi app. Social distancing measures are in place for your safety. Curbside pickup for to-go orders is still available. And follow Elements on Instagram and Facebook for updates on family meal kits. Thanking you for all the support these last few months, Elements Restaurant now welcomes you back for indoor and patio dining. Call 750-5171 or Google Elements Restaurant today. You've been putting up with a dirty, dusty wood stove for years. Why haven't you changed it? Go to Advanced Fireplace and Stove in Logan. Look through their showroom for ideas on quadrifier pellet and wood stoves and heat and glow gas fireplaces. They have several demos in place so you can see firsthand how your project will look. And you can trust the pros at Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They'll do the job right. Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Knight, thanks for tuning in and joining us here on the Full Court Press. I'm Jake Salveson with the day off. He's hanging out in Las Vegas. Um, interesting tweet uh, from Josh Ann, and it was retweeted by John Wilner. That's where I saw it. John Wilner does a very, really good job. He's in the, the Bay Area following the Pac-12. And the, the, the essential tweet is that USC AD Mike Bond says the decision to shut down the basketball elements of the Pac-12 until January 1st was a, was a surprise yesterday. How? Like how? How? <laughs> how? How does an athletic director get surprised by their own conference announcement about what's going to happen for this fall, for the next several months? To me, that just validates again that they're not making informed or – Maybe not democratic decisions because ultimately they get the I guess the the conference AD or whatever gets to make the decision. But like that's bad. That's really bad. You how do you not consult your your athletic departments on everything that they're going you're going to decide as a conference 
Because we heard the Pac-12 was unanimous in their decision. Apparently not. Well, well, the presidents obviously did not uh, have many discussions with their athletic directors. The other thing is, too, I know they said specifically for the Big Ten, one of the things that the ADs have been discussing is a bubble. Because obviously in football, and Ethan kind of gave us a really good perspective on this yesterday with the NFL, there's just so many players and trainers and coaches. A bubble for football would be really difficult but as you know, college, I don't think it's much more – I don't know what the staffs are for, between an NBA staff and a, and a college staff. But player-wise, it's like still 13 it's, players. It's pretty simple. It would seem pretty doable. And so the Pac-12 making that decision again and with this behind it is like, you guys didn't even kick around the idea of a bubble, nothing. I mean, you got time. If you got football scrapped, I think you got a little extra time on your hands to start sorting out, okay, how can we make basketball work? It's like these presidents get together, okay, we're – we're going to make this decision, no fall sports. But, oh, do we end it just there? Do we end it just fall sports? or So where does that end? Because some don't always end at the same time. This football could be going, if you have bulls, could go into early January. Well, let's just shut it all down to January 1. You know what? 2020 has been terrible. 2021 is going to be our year. <laughs> so let's, just, let's just act like it never existed. That's Bad. I run the risk of anything bad, anything more bad happening in 2020. I know Twitter has really been criticizing the leadership of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, talking about how they're not really, the people in charge have not really any tie to sports at all. They're business people, and that's why they think they made the decision. This kind of looks like it. <sighs> it's so weird. But you've got presidents in the Big Ten that are like epidemiologists. Like, they are health medical professionals so like they understand the medical implications of a pandemic but i got nothing uh it's so weird yeah uh some more let's get some more comments from gary anderson and his reactions to the announcement um he uh, uh unlike perhaps the the failure that we're hearing from the pac-12 and how well they informed people a little bit different situation in the mountain west uh gary said that uh, they did get word um, uh, the, about what was happening in the just shortly thereafter, they were able to have a team meeting, and here's how uh, he explained having to break the news to his players uh, earlier this week that there would not be football in the fall. You know, I thought the league as a whole did a great job of you know trying to get it out to us and giving us an opportunity to get it out to the team before. Uh, Twitter got it, but it didn't work. Never works, right? <laughs> Today's day and age. But we were close. We were within about a 15-minute window that it broke out on, on Twitter, and I think the league, again, did everything they could as a university. John and his crew did everything they could to, to alert the coaches, let them know it was coming, and gave us a window of opportunity to get to them. And I think that, uh, you know, we were, again, we were close. Um, but we did it through a, uh, a Zoom call, and uh, – you no, know, it's tough. It's uh, that first. The first was just basically giving the breaking the news and telling them that. And then yesterday we had an organizational meeting to try to get us, you know, moving in the right direction. And it's we got knocked down. It's over with. We're not going to play this season. We know that. But now the the important thing is uh, is to give the kids some some guidance because finally, after a, a long period of time, uh, they have some. Uh, idea of what's taking place, which is not what they wanted, obviously, and none of us wanted that, but it, uh, we do have uh, a direction now, I would say, and so that's what we did yesterday is give them some direction for the next three and a half weeks, 
and uh, then we'll get back August 31st and, and see where the world stands at that point as far as college football. They'll start academics at that point. To one thing there, I guess I'm a little confused because I thought they had a direction. They just like, a week ago, the Mountain West said, "This is when we're, we're going to do conference only. This is when our games can start, so you can set your calendar for training camp from there." So they had some direction. I mean, granted, it wasn't a lot of time, but they had like they knew what their calendar was going to look like for the next six to eight weeks. Yeah. So I'm a little confused by that, but. I will grant him that there's been a lot of confusion and uncertainty this summer about what's going to happen. Yeah. So what do you think he means? And maybe I, maybe it's hopeful listening. But at the end, he said they get together at the end of the month and see what the world has for college football. Me, I hear that. I'm like, he's kind of hoping they're going to change their minds. <laughs> but maybe it's to what you said where he talked about grad transfers and just seeing what opportunities these players could potentially have. Because like when is the call? When, so now with all this going on, when does the college football season actually start? Uh, most most everybody's mid September, summer late September. Like I saw Texas Tech, uh, so they're going to have a non conference opponent September twelfth. I think I saw something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, September twelfth, and then the following week they're into conference play. Because the Big Twelve uh, laid out their conference schedule. They had their the open weeks for the schools to go out and find a non-conference opponent or just leave it as an open week in case they need to shift things around if right. there's a case that right. they need to delay. So they've they've kind of built in some wiggle room if necessary. But uh, the Big 12 could start as soon as uh, uh, September 12th. Interesting. <sighs> the Utah State was – the Mountain West was going to start on September 26th. Uh, is the earliest opportunity for them to start. But, no, that's not going to happen. It looks like uh, some of the other conferences, that's kind of the same window they're looking at for starting. So that's about when their conference schedules were going to get going. Right. That's making me sad again. <laughs> I'm, so I'm just making you sad. No, I just I, I have a buddy who's pretty he's, – he's, he is the definition of a fanatic, so he's either really up or really down, and – this whole summer, he's he's talked. We, we both went to Purdue. So he's like, I don't think Purdue's going to play. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, No, it's going to happen. It's fine. And then Rondell Moore, who's going to be, I think, a, at least a second round pick, if not higher, opted out. And we're like, Oh man, that kind of stinks. And the Big Ten canceled. And I haven't even heard from him. I actually really need to check on him because I'm sure he's super bummed. I was like, Man, I was crossing my fingers, not happening. Uh-huh. I just I just go back to the confusion. With an organization this big as the NCAA and the amount of money it brings in, you'd think somewhere there'd be someone up top who's like, all right, here's what we're doing. And there's not. There's not. And, and you know what? They've they've created that over the last 20 years. They Their indecisions, their willingness to allow college football to kind of run rogue to some degree, these Power Five conferences uh. to do their own thing, to decide their own champion, and just sit back and like, yeah, we'll uh, you know enforce rules about recruiting, I guess, here and there, and we'll set rules about how the game should be played. But <laughs> the overall leadership of how this whole thing is supposed to work together, eh, just do your own thing, write your own checks. I mean, really, is what it comes down to is it's like the NCAA will only enforce rules if if the athletes step out of line. Anything else, we're <laughs> yeah. kind of mostly going to look away from. Uh, 
Uh, maybe some glimmer of hope. You know, Ryan Day from Ohio State saying he wants his team to get back on the field as quickly as possible. And if we can't play in the fall, he wants his football team to be ready on January 1st. And he wants the season to be in and done so that everybody will have a season completed in time for the NFL draft in April. Right. And I don't, it's great thinking, but I don't think it's real feasible. <laughs> Here's a question for you. You and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. So the, to me, there's just way too many bowl games. But with the conferences that have canceled, if it gets to the bowl season, will they change the rules for the bowls? Because there's, I think right now, more op- there's more bowls than Division One teams playing, and there's two teams per bowl. Could they change the rules so that the bowl games could invite teams? Because most of I mean, they take place in December, but could invite teams to try and get them out there. Like if Ohio State doesn't play all season, and they're not going to go to the playoff, but if they, you know, the Capital One Bowl, which I think normally takes the big a Big Ten team, is like, you know what? If we can get Ohio State out here, that'd be great. It'd be the kickoff for the Ohio State season. Yeah, but it'd be the conclusion of somebody else's season. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Be actually, interesting. the segue between the two seasons, <laughs> the handoff. Here we go. Just constant football. Just different conferences doing it different ways. Like how do you in history? If there actually is a spring season, it's like the Big Ten and Pac-12, they both play. They're going to have like their own championship, and then the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are going to have their own, and then we'll just... Yeah, how do you crown a national champion? champion. Yeah, two champions this year? You or just what? have conference champions, and maybe like next June you say, okay, uh, who had the best team over the last eight months? It's a constant talking Ten point. Months. Like the UCF team that went undefeated, basically. They oh, got themselves yeah. the rings and everything. That's right. Such confusion and madness. Bottom line is, uh, the, the only thing that we can really understand is that every day is going to be different. Yeah. I mean, every day has got to be something totally different from what we thought we were going to expect. Do you uh, think Do you think they'll get through a college football season? I So I all along felt that a college football season would start, but it wouldn't finish. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised that we've had four conferences already say they're not even going to start. So um, maybe more. It looks like Conference USA, American Athletic, Sunbelt. Sunbelt has definitely said they're going forward. But some of the other group of five conferences look like, yeah, we're going to still try to find a way to still make this thing work. Do you think it's better to try and then not finish the season or not do the season at all? Personally, this is, again, my own personal opinion. I think it's better to try. Get it as many games in as you can because there's no guarantee that you'd even get anything in the spring. Oh, I agree. Logistically, if there's still a pandemic that's spiking, there's just no guarantee of what the future might hold. So I'd rather see schools try to get as many games in as possible before they have to shut it down. I think so too because if if you if you were leaning towards it's not going to finish, then take all the preparation you can. If you're surprised, you're surprised. And if not, you're planned for it. And then – because I'm still I'm still not convinced. I think the the spring thing is just a hope. I don't think the NFL with the with three of the Power Five still set to play with the NFL schedule. I just don't see it working. Uh, Gary did talk a little bit about that um, about some of the the challenges that are inherent with trying to play football in the spring, trying to play a football schedule in the spring. Here's some of Gary's comments about that topic. What we ask these kids to do. You know, we've already lost what will be, 
you know, a couple spring balls if we did that. Um, we're a developmental program. Didn't have last year's spring ball. Obviously wouldn't have this next year's spring ball coming at us if we were playing football games. And spring ball is a time to develop. It's a time for position changes, look at kids at different spots. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had that been taken from the young men and the coaches two times. Um, and that's a minor part of it, but it's still a part of it. Uh, the other part is, as we look back and we just say in a whole that uh, our training cycles have been broken up. Um, this last summer's training cycle was was very different. Um, obviously, the training cycle from when this whole thing took place to March until when the young man came back was extremely difficult, uh, regardless of where they were, when there was no access to gyms at home or access to uh, weight rooms here or ability to run or being around fantastic strength coaches that we all have around the country. And so their development has been hindered, and that's everybody, not just Utah State, but that's not still it's not best when you sit back and say, okay, those two things have taken place, and now we go through the calendar year of 2021. You look at January, and January becomes um, basically a time to have camp. So that's a heavy workload month. February, we're playing games. March, playing games. April, we're playing games. Those are heavy workload months. May, there would have to be potential of a game or two or a championship game or maybe bowl games, whatever it may be. So I'll give you two months recovery in the month of May. Or excuse me, two weeks recovery in the month of May that the kids may have. They come back in June and July, and now it's time to prepare and, quite frankly, prepare and recover for uh, the next season that's coming on. And so June, you're going to lift weights, recover, get yourselves where you need to be from the season that you just played. July, you're back at heavy training, getting back in shape for football. August, September, August is camp. September, October, November, December, you're playing football. So you're looking at potentially, you know, minimum um, right now would be 20 football games that you could play, and if you're a really good team, you could play 22, 23 games. Wow. The, the amount of stress that would put on the body. Yes. You'd need an extra year of eligibility just because you're going to have so many roster holes for guys getting hurt. Well, I mean, that, so I, that he, I'm glad that he said that because I didn't think about that. So that would mean that if the Big Ten and Pac-12 do go forward, then the to me the concerns of safety are not legitimate, and so for Utah State and the Mountain West, I don't know if it's as much this issue, but I think uh, um, Ethan made a great point yesterday. Uh, you're gonna get, I mean, there still should be great players, and especially some of the powerhouse teams. But if you're chance to go in the NFL draft, why are you playing in the spring? You're just gonna sit out and train and, and be gone, right? Yeah. So I mean, the for a, the, those two, it's gonna be if if you're. One a part of the crowd that's like super upset when players sit out of bowl games that aren't playoff games. Ain't gonna watch Big Ten and Pac-12 this year. <laughs> Justin Fields ain't gonna play. That's true. Uh, more reactions to what Gary Anderson had to say today, as uh, Utah State has learned that they will not be playing football this fall. More about uh, what's going on with other uh, college football decisions going around in the country. Uh, next hour, we'll also get into about the NBA. Houston Rockets played today. A really close game. Did they win or not? So where are they in the seating? Where are the Utah Jazz potentially in the seating? Who would they prefer to face based on who they've played over the last year, this last season? What are the better odds? What are the better matchups for the Utah Jazz? We'll get into that coming up on the Full Court Press. 
Doctors Wood, Benyon, Plotter, and Robinette of Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat are excited to welcome you to both office locations, the Cache Valley Hospital and 169 North Gateway, Providence, right next to the Bank of Utah. Social distancing and all safety guidelines are in place. The new Providence office location will also be accepting patients for the Allergy Clinic and Hearing Aid Center. Please call 753-7880 for telehealth conference calls. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. Go to cachevalleyent.com for details. If this uncertain economy has you concerned about your job, listen to what Schreiber Foods in Smithfield has to offer. A sign-on bonus of up to $2,000. Plus, they'll match any vacation time you've earned from your current employer. On top of that, new full-time hires get health benefits starting on day one. A 401k match up to 8%. Paid time off, tuition reimbursement, and so much more. Offer applies to the Smithfield Schreiber Foods location only. Full and part-time positions available. Apply online at SchreiberFoods.com and click on the Smithfield location. Equal opportunity employer. What are your summer plans? If you're like everyone else, your vacation plans have changed. This is Jarek from Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Were you planning on Hawaii, a cruise, a week in Europe? That's not happening. This summer can still be memorable. Put the money toward that dream diamond ring she's been wanting. Maybe your plans were just an inexpensive weekend somewhere. Instead, pick her out a pair of diamond stud earrings, maybe birthstone pendant or ring that will always put a smile on her face. This summer can still be memorable. Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Make it special, make it Jarrett's. Things have changed at AquaTech Car Wash. There's a new owner, new equipment, and a powerful new wash app. Visit AquaTech's open house this Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and receive a free car wash. Download the new wash app. You can join the Unlimited program and get a free treat from the waffle truck. AquaTech will be handing out car wash swag like air fresheners and chamois. Free car washes this Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., AquaTech Car Wash, 115 East, 1800 North in Logan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Knight, here on the Full Court Press. We've been hearing from Gary Anderson. More from him. Stick around throughout our next hour. We'll hear more comments from Gary as he uh, spent some time with the media today talking about his reaction to the Mountain West announcement, the player reactions, how does that affect the team going forward. Uh, we just heard his comments about the ch- the inherent challenges of trying to play football in the spring. Yeah. It's, it's tough when you think about logistically – what that pressures that puts on the body and you don't have much time for to recover and to turn around to develop your younger talent. Uh, it's, there's a lot of challenges with trying and, to like, play football. In this how spring. do you fit in recruits? Cause you made a good point earlier today when you and I were talking like, so spring early admittance has become, I think a more popular thing in athletics where athletes can graduate in December, come into spring and at least get into that, that developmental period where they can get the hands on coaching. They can take part in spring ball so how do you fit in recruiting with all that? Because obviously you have folks on season. So if the season's in the spring, like how, what? Like do they get to play? Does it count as a year of eligibility? How? How do you yeah. balance that? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, what if a kid gray shirts? He comes on campus on January one. Uh, he he can't play. I guess you still run him through the practices and you develop him, right? And he's still only eligible for the twenty one season, but. 
Is that an advantage having them there while you're doing regular competition? Or would you rather have the opportunity to just run them through the regular drills? So I don't know. It's so many unknowns. Because the other thing, too, is there's a lot of high schools that aren't playing football. Several states in our area, in the Intermountain West, uh, in, in west of the Mississippi, are not playing football this fall. Right. Nevada, California, Washington, New Mexico, they've all said no high school football this fall. So how many athletes are there really to recruit? And could they come, you know, graduate early and come join you? Or are they going to be playing football in the spring? Jeez. So it's so many unknowns. <laughs> so confusing. Uh, the NCAA, there's an update on this. They They did come out with something. Imagine that. After all of this, how long have we been doing this? Uh, there's a, an update from the Division I Council, and uh, here's, they released a statement today. The Division I Council recommended the Division I Board of Directors provide fall sport student-athletes who compete and then opt out of future participation or have a season cut short due to COVID-19. One, an extension of their five-year period of eligibility, and two, an additional season of competition if they participate in 50% or less of the maximum number of competitions allowed in each sport by Division One rules. So, in a nutshell, they're granting an extra year of eligibility and you're granting you an opportunity to still play if you decided to opt out. So, that's in classic NCAA fashion, though, that's not really a solution, right? Because you didn't expand rosters unless there's something in there, right? Because yeah, football no, teams still have... That's so, true. So... I get it. Like, that's great. So I, I think Gary Herbert, you mentioned earlier, talking about treating them as grad transfers is probably the right solution, and they can kind of go where they're needed. But granting them a year of eligibility really doesn't extend anything. I think I think you were talking about this last week with Ajay and the Pac-12, uh, specifically the NCAA uh, admitted, they said the spring athletes could have an extra year of eligibility, and the, the conferences didn't extend it to them because it just screws up the cycle because you can – if you don't expand the rosters, well, you still have to kind of keep cycling through as as you would. Yeah, in fact, Gary had a great comment on that, and I'm checking the clock to see if we have time to say it, um, about how it affects the clock for ex- uh, eligibility, and uh, I think we do have time. So we'll play that. This is Gary Anderson talking about the options of the extra eligibility. He basically calls them super seniors. Right. Um, and how that affects everything else with your roster. Well, I'm, I'm all for opportunities for kids. Um, there's so many, you know, we could talk for an hour and a half about that, how it affects the kids. If you ask me, do I think it would be great to have every kid have another year because they had a year taken away from them, it would be fantastic. You know, I mean, I'd like to have the, 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 the two years I got back when I blew my knee too, but I didn't get those opportunities. So um, this is different, and it's a completely different scenario, but – uh, I would like to have them, sure, get a year back. But, you know, you look at it and the, the scenarios that the financial situations is a piece of it. And, you know, say you have 14 seniors and they all come back next year. Well, um, there's lockers. There's the ability to handle 14 more kids in the weight room, the training room, academic services. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. It's not just to say, okay, let's load it up and go play football with 14 more kids again. So that's uh, that's a difficult part to look at and understand. And then you look back and you say, okay, we're going to uh, – you take all the kids and give them all another year back. Well, if we do that, let's just say the whole football team, freshman or freshman again, a sophomore or sophomore again, and so on, 
okay, and then the seniors come back and you have super seniors. Well, the super seniors take care of themselves. They play next year and then they're gone if you can handle that financially, which is very, very difficult to deal with. And um, But then in four years from now, you know, that freshman class, you double up on your freshman class because you still have to recruit. So you could have technically on a piece of paper, you could have 50 freshmen. And then all of a sudden you could have 50 seniors. And then all of a sudden you could have, you know, 65 kids uh, or 45, 50 kids, whatever it ends up being, um, that didn't redshirt or did redshirt seniors when they're all seniors. So say you have 45 seniors. Well, uh, that's that's a huge problem. Now all of a sudden your scholarships are, are down 45 and you're in spring football. I mean, it just the, the math doesn't work to me. Uh, but but again, that's that's me looking at it today in a very short timeline. Uh, I'd love opportunities for kids, but there's a lot of discussions that would have to uh, be had to be able to make that work. It's complicated. Yeah, well, it's a nightmare because you mentioned the the high school problem. So, how do you recruit this year? Because the rosters aren't expanded. So, kids this year are going to suffer if you keep them. And then, like he said, you can't recruit forty five kids in a class. <laughs> it's bizarre, right? So, do you start really strongly counsel- counseling kids out of your program? You know, you're not really yeah. Like, what fit do you do? Us. You can't really play the game at this level and just start trimming your roster. Just to make room for this extra class? Again, this is it's the NCAA again. It's a half solution. It is, right. It feels good, but it's really not an answer. No, it's like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna sound like we're doing the right thing. We gotta give those kids another opportunity. Okay. That sounds great. Well, how do we do that now? It Wisconsin came out and said Barry Alvarez uh in the spring said, It's a great idea. We just can't financially do it. Well, yeah, and just it 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 messes up our clocks. Yeah, because again, as Gary started, it's the money too. Because even if the NCAA expands the rosters, well, do they have the facilities to house twenty extra kids if they expand the roster that much? Feed twenty extra kids? I mean, it's scholarship it's a nightmare. tuition. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Cost of attendance, books, equipment <sighs> in a season where they're not playing and drawing revenue. <laughs> it's just wow! It's awful. Oh my gosh. So strange. So many questions that we just don't know. And you know what? It's going to be months before we get into clarity, and it may even be a, a, a year. Until we're into the, uh, the the fall camp season for 2021, we still may be asking questions about how this all works. And the other thing is, too, what if – because the, the what Gary Anderson's issues, the pipeline goes up. So what if Division three, two, one, FCS, they start shutting down programs? Now you have JUCO kids, or basically they're experienced, just a small level – now they got to compete with the freshmen all trying to get on rosters. It's just it's a log jam. It is. It I mean to some degree maybe you say our roster level is still the same and it's just competition. We're just going to take the best available players. Yeah. And maybe for that year your roster is as good as perhaps it's going to be in a long time. Cuz you're going to get the best of the best. And some kids who are pretty good just won't make a roster. Yeah. That's But normally they would. Yeah. But in the, in this case where you get <laughs> kids opportunity to to hang on and come back, you're going to cost somebody else an opportunity where maybe they could develop into something later on. That super, yeah, no, that super sucks. Wow, that is just a nightmare that he expanded on. I was like, oh my gosh, it goes way worse than that. <laughs> uh, he has a specific concern about the seniors. We'll hear from his from him on that. Some of his thoughts about the seniors specifically, what the reactions were from the players. How involved he was in the decision making process. Curious to know what the Pac 12 decision <laughs> for Utah State, at least, did he provide any insights with Noelle Cockett as she was 
involved with the decision for the Mountain West. So we'll hear from more from Gary Anderson coming up next hour. Uh, Utah Jazz play tomorrow afternoon. Uh, who do we think the Jazz match up the best in the playoffs? And uh, what are the likely scenarios? Who could they face? And who do we really think the Jazz should play? We'll discuss that next hour in the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Big Ten and Pac-12 announced that football will be called off for the fall. We'll see if the other conferences follow suit. But don't think for a second that this is the end of the story. There are so many questions about what's next. Will they play in the spring? Do players go home or stay on campus? Can players try to compete elsewhere if there's somewhere else to go? What long-term impact will this have on the sport? What about the possible draft prospects? And on a personal note, what the heck am I going to do on Saturdays? Depending on what happens, the NFL could fill some of that time, TV time, by spreading out their schedule. But it's impossible to replace all those games we become so used to. There's going to be a void in the life of many sports fans. But hopefully, someday soon, we'll be on the other side of this pandemic and our day-to-day lives can return to normal. Whatever that means. Well, hopefully it means building our weekends around college football once again. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.